the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The DOJ files an appeal to reverse the decision on travel masking. There's no way that Joe Biden tries to appeal this ruling, right? Because this is like the easiest out ever. The Department of Education didn't record some student loan payments. There was a recent investigation from NPR that essentially revealed these these payments were not being counted. New Mexico workplace safety regulators find the movie Rust. With a lack of Rust Productions adhering to the national standard. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, April 21st. I'm Mike Scott. Russian forces tighten the noose around the defenders hold up Wednesday in a steel plant that is reported to be the last known Ukrainian stronghold in the coastal city of Mariupol. With the holdouts coming under punishing new bombing attacks, Ukrainian authorities struggled to open an evacuation corridor for civilians trapped in the ruined port city, a key battleground in Moscow's drive to seize the country's industrial east. Meantime, the number of people fleeing the country climbed past 5 million. The West racing to supply Ukraine with heavier weapons for the potentially grinding new phase of that war. And the Kremlin said it submitted a draft of demands for ending the fighting. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says Ukrainians will have to make the difficult decision whether to trust in a preliminary agreement to let women and children and the elderly evacuate from Mariupol. What gives pause is the fact that there have been um, agreements on humanitarian corridors established before that have um, fallen apart very, very quickly, if not immediately. Uh, principally because the um, security has been violated by Russian forces. Blinken says what's happening in the Ukrainian port city, nearly flattened in a Russian military siege, is truly horrific. When the receding Russian tide from Bucha revealed what was left in its wake in terms of death, destruction, atrocities, we can only anticipate that one, this tide also at some point recedes from Mariupol. We're going to see far worse. Meantime, President Biden says the U.S. and allies are doing the best they can to get Ukraine the military aid it needs. Weapons and ammunition are flowing in daily. And we're seeing just how vital our alliances and partnerships are around the world. Our allies are stepping up, amplifying the impact of our response, and NATO is united, focused, and energized as it's ever been. Biden says the Ukraine crisis has given him a new view of U.S. leadership. Even though I've been vice president for uh, eight years and the senator for 36, I I didn't fully appreciate that uh, how the rest of the world literally looks to us as the leader of the free world. I mean, looks to us in very precise, specific ways. 
and uh, something you all fully, fully understand. Biden also says he's been to Ukraine many times, and the nation's people keep surprising him. I knew they were tough and proud, but I tell you what, they're tougher and more proud than I thought. I'm amazed what they're doing with your help in terms of providing advice and, uh, and, and the, the weaponry we're providing, along with the rest of NATO. Congressman Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss what he believes are the failures of the Biden administration's handling of the war in Ukraine and how his governing philosophy added to that failure. To the extent they've tried to offer a strategic view of the world, it's what they're calling integrated deterrence, which is the Pentagon's new national defense strategy. Integrated deterrence is a fancy a bit of jargon to cover what they're actually trying to do, which is to cut conventional hard power, to divest in hard power and sell it under the idea that soft power could somehow make up the difference. That doesn't work. It failed in Ukraine. Gallagher says that he was unimpressed by the shipbuilding plan they received in Congress and blames progressive policies on weakening the Navy. Look no further than this morning, uh, we got the, we finally got the uh, Navy's 30-year shipbuilding plan, which is a massive cut to the United States Navy, and for the first time, doesn't even present a plan. It presents a range of three options. That makes no sense, since the Navy has one set of requirements, not three different options for requirements, and it looks as if it's deliberately designed to confuse lawmakers in order to cover for this cut to conventional hard power. So uh, I, I do think, you know, if you really pull the string on this and you dig down deep, it's, it's progressive policies and impulses that are driving the train, particularly expressed in the obsession with climate change as well as racial and gender politics. The Wisconsin representative says the Biden administration failed to properly deter Russia from invading Ukraine. We failed to credibly signal the consequences uh, of Putin invading. Instead, we relied upon vague threats of imposing sanctions and sternly worded, worded tweets and hashtag diplomacy from Jen Psaki. And we also failed to put hard power in Putin's path. We failed to arm the Ukrainians. So what's Gallagher's biggest worry now? And what worries me right now is that whether it's in the Eastern Med or in the Black Sea or in the Taiwan Strait, we may not have the uh, the necessary level and types of missile systems to sink either Russian or Chinese ships should the conflict escalate with either of our two foremost geopolitical foes. A rocket was fired into southern Israel from the Gaza Strip late Wednesday. The Israeli military says it is the second such attack this week as Mideast tensions have soared over violence in and around Jerusalem. There are reports that Islamic Jihad is taking responsibility. Obviously, we'll have to wait to see how that all plays out. Uh, but the context we need, of course, is what's going on in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. This whole, this, this uh, most sensitive of sensitive sites, the holiest site in the Jewish religion, the third holiest site in Islam, the month of Ramadan, the holy month of Islam, the Passover holiday, one of the major holidays in the Jewish calendar, all coming together and creating the potential for a perfect storm. There obviously have been those clashes on the Temple Mount most notably yesterday, with hundreds of Palestinians arrested. Uh, Israel again coming out today and say that it feels that it, the police force acted responsibly in terms of protecting the site. It was not immediately clear if there were any casualties or damage. 
Justice Department filed a notice Wednesday that it will appeal a Florida federal judge's order striking down the rule that forced plane and train passengers to wear masks. The notice of appeal was filed in Tampa Federal Court at the behest of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. An appeal is not without risk for the administration. If an appeals court or even the Supreme Court upholds the judge's ruling, it would create a precedent arguing against such a sweeping use of federal power in response to a declared public health emergency. News Nation's D.C. Bureau Chief Mike Vicaria described the DOJ's appeal and what this means for American citizens. It really does appear that the Department of Justice is not going to ask for any kind of emergency injunction, ask for any kind of stay to overturn this court ruling from that federal judge in Florida that dropped that bombshell just a couple of days ago. They are going to file an appeal and go through the usual process. And what does that mean? Well, I can tell you what it's likely to mean. It's likely to mean that uh, passengers on airplanes, on subways, on buses, on any form of federal transportation or any uh, transportation at all that's funded by the government will not have to put those masks back on. The Hills National Politics reporter Julia Manchester says that the opinion of the American people on masks and the mandate isn't so simple. There are political considerations, and we know that this mask debate across the country, Vic, has really divided Americans. At the same time, though, over the past three days, I found it fascinating when we watch the news, we're on Twitter, we see those videos of crowds cheering when airline pilots announce that people can take off their masks. But polling tells a very different story. In fact, if we look at the recent News Nation decision... Wait, we have a new poll out just today. Yeah, it shows that 65% of respondents in that poll... Uh said they would be in favor of a returning mask mandate if they were concerned about um, the emergency. Yes, a new surge. So I think it goes to show you that this is not cut and dry. There's a real divide here. Ed Morrissey, senior editor at HotAir.com and host of The Ed Morrissey Show, says that he believed the court ruling would have been the Biden administration's off-ramp from mask mandates. And then, of course... All of us were saying there's no way that there's no way that Joe Biden tries to appeal this ruling. Right. Because this is like the easiest out ever. He doesn't actually have to end the mask mandate. He can just say, oh, well, it was taken away from me. I guess we'll just go ahead and go along with this. No, actually, apparently they are going to appeal um, the uh, the ruling here, but they're not going to enforce the mask mandate while they're appealing the ruling. So they're not going to ask for a stay of the ruling. Simone Sanders joined MSNBC and grudgingly admitted that Governor Ron DeSantis's approach toward masking in Florida may have worked after all. One could argue that much has been, I was critical of Governor DeSantis, still am, uh, during um, the height of COVID. Yeah. But if you really look at the numbers, Florida actually came He's out all He's got a story all, to tell. He, right. he has a story and to and tell. And the economy is strong. And the economy is strong. Meantime, Florida's Department of Health on Wednesday said gender-affirming care should not be accessible to minors. Daybreak Insider's Bernie Bennett has that story. Florida's Department of Health said children younger than 18 years old should not be permitted to receive any form of gender-affirming care, including medications like puberty blockers or hormones and, quote, social gender transition, like name or pronoun changes. 
In new guidance released Wednesday, the State Department of Health said the treatment of gender dysphoria should be limited to professional counseling and social support from peers and family members. That does not include encouraging young people to change their name or pronouns or wear gender-affirming clothing. Bernie Bennett reporting. Former vice presidential candidate and Alaska Governor Sarah Palin is trying to become a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Palin is among 48 candidates running for Alaska's lone House seat following the death last month of Republican Representative Don Young, who held that job for 49 years. Sarah Palin says those who question her commitment to Alaska don't know her very well. I've been in the same house, raising the same family, running the same businesses for all these years, having the same passion for Alaska, and Alaskans, I've just had opportunity to be out there on a national and international stage promoting Alaska. Palin says she thinks conservatives, libertarians, and independent-minded voters will back her candidacy for the U.S. House. I hope it's just independent Alaskans with a lot of common sense who know that they can make decisions for themselves, their families, their businesses better than a faceless bureaucrat or politician. Right now, there's only one former governor who's currently a member of the House, Democrat Charlie Crist of Florida. Record-keeping failures by the federal government may have left thousands of Americans saddled with student debt that should have been automatically canceled through a benefit for low-income borrowers. That according to a new federal study by the Government Accountability Office, who faulted the Education Department for sloppy oversight of its income-driven repayment program, a collection of plans that offered reduced monthly payments and carry a promise to erase all remaining debt after 20 or 25 years of payments. From Yahoo Finance, Akiko Fujita explains... The Department of Education was not counting some payments to the income-driven repayment program. The Department of Education specifically addressing the controversial income-driven repayment program. And to bottom line this, Brian, this is a program that was designed to provide relief for borrowers who've been making payments for 20 to 25 years. But there was a recent investigation from NPR that essentially revealed these, these payments were not being counted. Brian Cheung, also from Yahoo Finance, explains the income-driven repayment program. As a reminder, would essentially automatically take a percentage of your income, let's call it 10% of your paycheck, and then use it to repay any student debt you have. And anything that you still have over as a remainder after 20, 25 years gets forgiven. Fujita says that with the midterm elections fast approaching, the Biden administration is under severe pressure to do more for student loan debt. But when you look at the numbers, the administration has canceled more than $17 billion in debt. 725,000 borrows have been affected. But you go back to what the president campaigned on. He hasn't always been for full forgiveness, but you'd imagine... There's some increased pressure going into the midterms. midterms yep. Student loans, not the number one issue, but he's certainly going to hear it from those voters who say, look, you've got to do more. Streaming service Netflix is dealing with a sharp drop in subscribers by considering changes to the service that it has long resisted. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House has that story. Netflix suffered its first loss of subscribers in years. 
The company says it'll try to minimize password sharing and consider creating a low-cost subscription supported by advertising. Those changes are aimed at helping Netflix regain the momentum it's lost during the past year. A rather unique college is being set up in California. Daybreak Insider's Jason Walker has more on that story. Behind a wall and razor wire, students at one of the country's most unusual schools discuss a wide range of topics. They are students at Mount Tamil Pius College at San Quentin State Prison, the very first junior college in the country behind bars. The college was accredited in January, and officials say it's really no different than any other college, except, of course, there's no spring break. And field trips, well, they're out of the question. Jason Walker reporting. And finally, New Mexico workplace safety regulators Wednesday issued the maximum possible fine of nearly $137,000 against a film production company for firearm safety failures on the set of the movie Rust, where a cinematographer was fatally shot in October by actor and producer Alec Baldwin. James Kenney, New Mexico's Environment Department Secretary, says the nearly $137,000 fine against Rust Movie Productions is in response to several failures to follow safety protocols. Under state law, this is the maximum penalty our OSHA program can assess. Kenney says the producers of the movie failed to ensure the safety of those working on the film. With a lack of Rust Productions adhering to the national standard, but the national standard is there and is something that they said they were following to prevent workplace injuries. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.